Howdy folks, it is Monday, August 6th. I'm Skip Ruttertail, your otter editor, and with me as always is... Skip, we have to talk about something. I'm, I'm not a driving cat. No? No. I, uh... Wow. He's I, I, coming out, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm coming out. I, I've been a raccoon this entire time. Oh, really? I, I, I can't go on with this any longer. Really? So I, you're just dropping that whole, uh... I don't, I don't drive Persona. Cars. I don't like cats. I don't uh-huh. watch that much Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dropping the So you're, you're dropping thing. that persona. It's, you're I going you, to the it was uh, never, like, I never meant it like that. That's the well, thing, it was like, was, it, right, it was a half play. It was, you know, right. what, what clever furry identity can I grab? Yeah, it was just a stupid little little joke. So are, was you still, are you still going to be Toonses? Or are no, we calling yeah, you Spoonie yeah, no, now? just call me Toonses. Just call me Toonses. I don't okay. care about that. Okay. But like, it's just weird because it's just, a, who, who wants to... Um, you can be Spoonie and Toonses is your nickname. Well, how I'm going with it is that um, Toonses the cat is still part of it, but Spoonie is his persona. Okay. So, you know, I'm still role-playing as the raccoon. Okay. Well, let's not make it too complicated, because now it's getting crazy <laughs> now it's again. Now we can't nonsense. keep track of that. No, what yeah. I'm saying is, no, it just is a, who, 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 how much fun is it to have your persona trademarked by NBC Universal? That's true. Really? That's true. I mean, just think about all the cool stuff you, you do with your persona, like, oh, I got my buddies to draw me hanging out with my buddies, and, you know, no one's drawing anybody hanging out with a driving cat, yeah. you know, because no one oh. wants to draw the Chevrolet in the cliff. Right, right. You know, it's just a bit too complicated. I think everybody wants to. Yeah, I think everybody's also a little bit unsure of the legal limbo it puts them mm-hmm. in. I mean, it, NBC does no, is known to um, mm-hmm. be a little bit aggressive with the lawyers. So, so let's let's try this again, folks. It is uh, Monday, August sixth. I'm Skip Ruttertail, your otter editor, and with me, as always, is Toons is the, the self-hating raccoon. Oh, well, let's put a positive spin on it. We're gonna try it one more time. Without the hate, okay? We're proud of your raccoon heritage, because it's a good thing. <laughs> no. Okay, we're going to do it one more time. Well, what heritage? I just picked it like like, like bowling shoes. <laughs> one more time. Positive. All my friends were raccoons. I wanted to be a raccoon. That's how it okay, works. Okay. Howdy, folks. Good afternoon. It is Monday, August 6, 2012. I'm Skip Ruttertail, your otter editor, and with me, as always, is... Toons is the, um, the raccoon. That, I'll take it. I'll take it. That was that was a pathetic attempt. I don't know what else. But I'll take what, it. Whatever, whatever communities I'll, do, like they, I guess they just wash their hands. They a wash lot, your hands. You know, my uh, when they my dad garbage. was a kid, one of his neighbors, their family. This was in like White Plains, New York, so it wasn't like like rural Mississippi. I've always or liked raccoons. I mean, they I had a pet raccoon. They, they had they had a pet raccoon, and they would give it That's marshmallows. And it would take it over to its water bowl, and it would wash them and wash them and wash them because it wanted to get them clean. But of course, they get sticky, and it would wash them and wash them and wash them (laughs) until they dissolved. And then it would spend, it would look at its little hands and turn them over and upside down, looking for where did the marshmallow go. That's just cruel. And you're right. There's something. There's something. That's just hilarious cruel. and and tragic in that. So I just thought I'd share that. That's my favorite raccoon story. Oh my goodness! It's, it's, I think that's 
a perfect representation awesome. of raccoons too. Is because we're, we're very devious fellows, but I think we're, we're incredibly gullible too. Well, and and you know, raccoons just like otters have clever hands, so that's good. Clever you know, hands. We got we we both clever hands animals. Yes, got, we have fingers. Sensitive fingers. Yes, there you go. Very sensitive fingers. Very, very cool. Sensitive. Very cool. So uh, a lot of nerve ending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, this week doing something a little different. Actually, this week, we're recording this in advance, folks, because this week I am in Colorado, and uh, we'll see. Maybe we can get something together with Soren again. We'll and also, see we how were on vacation goes. the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Summer vacation. It was, yeah, it was a heat wave. Summer vacation. It, it was, was a heat wave. wave. We're sorry, dudes. It was a heat yeah, wave. Yeah, there was power lost in parts <laughs> of the city and all kinds of craziness. So, it was a heat wave. We apologize. It was a heat wave, yes. So it's record drought. We're back. We're doing something a little different this week. Uh, we, you know, I, this was back in April, actually. I talked with B-Hop and he, Buck Hopper, and he did a fantastic reading for us, which we both loved. And at the time I said to him, I was like, you know, B-Hop, I've read some of your stories, they're really good. I first read one of his stories, um, at, I think it was at FAU, maybe, or maybe it was wrong, I think it was FAU. And we were doing a writing workshop with Alex remotely, you know, from... Remotely via yes, Skype. Yes, remotely via yeah, Skype. You were leading MSNBC on this And two, we read one of the stories, and it was really good. Like, mm-hmm. I, Alex and I were both kind of blown away, And but his stories are usually these very short little one or two page things. And I said, I'd love to do some of your work. And he's like, well, I don't really have anything long enough. So I said, well, how about this? Why don't we do a few? Why don't we do three or four? And put them, you know, do do them all in one episode and talk about them all. So he agreed. Took a while to be up. Thank you for being patient. We got through. We got through the queue. Um, so you know, we had three stories, and I want to do three different readers, and that's what we got. So, um, uh, you know, so I want to do these three different stories, and partially because we haven't done anything really short. Uh, and so I thought that was, you know, it, I always like doing something we, we haven't short discussed pieces yet. before, but these are almost more like flash Not fiction. Exactly. Uh, that's, I believe that is the term. Flash yeah. fiction. Could you tell us a little about what flash fiction is? Oh, uh, flash fiction is a horribly abused term for just a horribly abused term. <laughs> flash fiction is just a horribly abused term for really short pieces of you know, what do you, why fiction. is it abused? Or why, because why do you feel I think because way? people want to make it like a genre all its own. Like, oh, this is flash fiction. This is flash fiction. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I just re- re- reject those little parcelings of things. I just mm-hmm. it's it's a story like anything else. It's just fiction. People so call you, it flash you could say fiction. it's it's a really short, you know. Slice of life piece, or it's a really short drama, or it's a really short I Santa, think it, it's, sci-fi. It, I think it delegitimizes it because when we're looking at this, with these pieces here, they're part of a larger thing called like the the uh, Furry Basketball Association project, mm-hmm. and that is so immersive to the fact that it has not only a lot more narrative pieces that you could sink a lot of time mm-hmm. into just reading, but then there's also a structure like standings and stats mm-hmm. and stuff that you can dig into, which you can. Which are kind of tell a story all their own, like any sportsman yeah. could tell you. Yeah. Uh, so I think it just is kind of demeaning just to say, oh, this is flash fiction. Right. I think it's more a better well, especially example. Especially in this context, since they are, it's like little, it's looking at like a chip of a mosaic almost. Yeah. Like that, it's part of this huge whole. Well, this is what I'm universe. trying to say. This is what I'm trying to say. It reminds me of, ex- of a, extremely contemporary literature because if you just think what is being generated now, in terms of what people are reading, it's um, live blogs, it's oh, live journal, okay. it's blogger, all this nonsense that really just only started getting 
produced in the ninth in like 1995, mm-hmm. but it's kind of its own really by this time formed literary genre. So just you know the, the way it uh that that form is starting to kind of be reproduced in actual mm-hmm. fiction. Okay. I mean, you've seen uh, uh, these these stories that are actually told entirely through text. I think it's mostly mm-hmm. the young adult stuff. Like, mm-hmm. t- told entirely through text, basically, as if the people were eyeing each other for these oh, things. Oh, yes, yes. And I really just don't think that's so far off, because, I mean, like, when you read back in history and you see, like, these, like, FDRs talking about these Supreme Court playing the telegrams, it's pretty much the same fucking thing. Right. The right. same goddamn thing. It just have to kind of, like, you know, evolves over Only time. Only less emoticons. Yeah. So I, I really, what I like about these, um... FBA stories is it's I think just a, an extremely contemporary form mm-hmm. and a really entertaining story. I just you know always like fantasy, always like simple fantasy. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm I was surprised um, the the first two. Now I had heard um, blocked in open lane earlier before he sent them to right. us, um, and they were. You know, my first run-in, I think, was some of, our, some of my first pieces. You don't like the, the no. ice sloshing okay. as a um, background noise? Uh, I'm sorry. The, you deal with the heat by having your shirt off. Yeah. I'm just drinking some lemonade. Oh, all right. That's fair, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say mine's sexier, but you could be, like, pouring lemonade all over yourself and then be... I don't know, maybe, maybe me, like, coolly refreshing myself is just really turning some people on right now. Like, oh, Tunes is so leisurely as he chats. Keep in mind... <laughs> now, I have... This actually will lead us, segue us into a topic that I want to get to later in the show after we discuss the stories. So, remind, keep that in mind. <laughs> Tunes is being sexy as he discusses the stories. So, we'll get back to that. But anyway, I, I oh, you know, he- oh, heard geez. Blocked in Open Lane, or, you know, read him, and I was surprised because, you know, I don't even know if I'd heard the name Flash Fiction when I first started reading these very short stories, and maybe it was even something like, you know how, like, Barnes & Noble, you know, has those, like books for like two dollars or whatever and oh, it's yeah. like a hundred and what you know, this was like a thousand stories or yeah, something like, like little, that like little parables and stuff and they were like right yeah they were like one or two page stories and that's they got a thousand of them in this book mm-hmm. or whatever however number it was um and i you know flipped through and i'm like boy these are really frustrating and disappointing like i did not like them why because because they just felt so Momentary and tangential. I didn't find them satisfying. I think. Well, the you know, thing as is, I it's read the them, same thing. It's coming from a larger perspective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Well, these. I don't know if these. I think stood on their own. And I've read some really good ones. I think Voldal wrote a couple that were just a couple pages, which, like most of his stuff, blew me away. Right. Um, but you know, most of these I think, well, that's annoying. Or I want to find out. They left me wanting more, or feeling like, well, why are we even reading about it? But these didn't, and so it was kind of surprising for me. I have to admit that I was like, you know, this story works as it is. Well, what did you appreciate about them? Well, I didn't. I, think, I didn't like blocked. Really? See, I think that was maybe my favorite. Really? Yeah. Uh, wasn't mine. I think I didn't like the um favorite. the dialect. Ah. Did you think it was a bit heavy? And I didn't. No. I did, it didn't seem very personal. See, he was from Tennessee. It's from Tennessee. I don't and know. he was probably from a rural part of Tennessee. One guess. A rural the part of Tennessee. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, that's what impressed me is in this very short one page story is that at least I was able. This is how I filled in the gaps. You know, anyway. And right. Crew, and and these little snippets and that kind of goes on uh 
conversation we were having the other day after dinner, if you remember, um, when I was talking about Skyrim and the you know companion that you can get, Karjo, who's a Khajiit, and I was saying, yeah, Karjo's right. sexy, Karjo's hot, but then I started right. figuring out, why is Karjo hot? And then yeah. looking online and other people who... I said it was a funny thing, because all the, the, way, all the is, girls... skip spending his time, by the way. All the girls and gay guys were like... Oh yeah, I wish I could marry Karjo because he can't in the game. He can't marry Khajiit. Right. And all the guys, all the straight guys, were like, oh, he's, "He's my bro." You know, I was so like, "Everyone what wants is to chill it? with Karjo." Right. And I'm like, "Well, why?" And and then I look at it, and you know, if you go on like Wikipedia or whatever, it'll have like every single line an NPC right. says. So it's like thirty lines or forty lines. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like three dozen. And it's like, how are you able to create this character? That you know, the girls I want to marry and the guys I want to be there, you know, their bro, with thirty six lines and and right. being it's all, really impressed it's much by more that. Immersive and it's that. kind of like this. I feel it's sort of like how are we how are we creating a character in this very efficient set of lines? And part of what I said is you do things that prompt the audience to fill in more of the story. Well, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. It's in Blocked, he, he talks about being a rookie and trying to get his position on, on mm-hmm. the team. And in the context of the FBA, you can then go look and like see a statistic. You, you mm-hmm. could go game by game and go, oh, yeah, in this game he was um, mm-hmm. not getting very many uh, mm-hmm. uh, shots with the... Uh, uh, he's not getting very many shots, uh, not getting very many assists, all these things. And you can then fit it into a context that you might know just from watching sports at large. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of just being able to tap into these larger narratives that already uh, exist. Or even in my case, I didn't go back and look at the statistics or anything, but, you know, I can say, okay, he, you know, he's from probably a poor background in Tennessee. He's adopted. You know, he grew up there. Um, We know he's gay, as we find out. You know, he's a rookie, and he has an enemy, like somebody who... And that's what I think one of the interesting things about the story is because it's somebody who, and we don't hear about that, but it's somebody who, who saw a young person's potential right, and decided to quash it. And was threatened by flattened it. Flattened it down. Right. Which is a horrifying story. I mean, it's like the worst thing. It's, you know, no, it's one it's of the worst of a common thing in have. sports. I mean, just that, mm-hmm. talk about Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, again, one of these things you, you'd find common in sports where, like, a, a hotshot rookie might come onto a team and a guy who has had more seniority with the team maybe had a larger contract that he was already trying to defend because there's a certain mm-hmm. indignity with being cut from the team or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, he, he would certainly try to um, cut the rookie down to size. Yeah. Yeah, and it's terrible, right? Because it's, it's, it's his own self-interest. But why don't you? But, you, but you don't watch sports. Oh, that one. Then you do watch. I watch sport. football. You watch football. I watch but football. That's the I've been one. watching the Olympics. Well, you've been watching the divers, like I have. I haven't seen. Okay, I'm not. We're <laughs> no, not I watched the divers yet. with you. You saw the divers. We were amazed by the divers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We watched the girl divers last night. I haven't watched the guy divers yet, so I got to catch up. The lady up divers and the feller the divers. Lady I divers prefer the feller the divers. divers. Yeah. Well, of course you. Now I was I, telling, I, I was joking at work with my friends at work who are all straight, but I was like, you know, all my gay friends say I got to watch the men's synchronized diving. They say I I'll know, enjoy that. I know, I know, because I was thinking that is basically um, competitive threesome teasing. Yeah. Because it's um, basically a pair of sirens that they go. 
watch us as we dive into the water. They should come up look, and be like, be singing a song. Yeah, look at our like water. 12 packs or whatever. And they're scored by how many in the audience are drawn from the stands into the water to try to, you know, that's Yeah, good. one of my friends was sitting with his wife, I guess, watching it on the couch, and she's like looking at them and looking at him and looking at them and looking at him, and I said, that's a bad sign, buddy, you know. I just was comparing because you're gonna, and he's like, hey, baby, give me a year, I'll get there. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I just want more bear divers, that's all. I don't care if they can bear really do diver. all the all all the uh, the dives, let him you know big splashes. Let him round off the synchronization. Let him do like at least a half a turn. But I just want to see some more bear divers, you know, for my eye candy. I really liked. I think Block may have been my favorite, and not just because. Well, I was also you know our protagonist is an otter, um, even though that yeah. wasn't said. But you, you know, just, he you talked know about he well the web, said he the slapped paws, the yeah. ball so hard. My webbing hurt. Well, I mean, I like the Which story. I love. I mean, it, it 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 works this furry ang. You know, this definite like furry angle into mm-hmm. the story without being explicit. And there's the predator prey aspect of that as well. That in, you mentioned in the in, story, right? In open lane. That was open lane. There's yeah, the predator the, prey the, aspect the... of it. No, that's good to get to because that's you know again it's here are. You know, we've talked about this before, is that there are kind of two ways to go about a furry story in, in, in some senses. That obviously, they're more than that. But in, in a basic sense, it's, well, you can have either there are people who happen to be animals, or, you know, you can have the fact that they're animal people worked into the story or play a role Basically, in a the level plot of commitment of the story. A level of commitment is what you're talking about, well, really. I, that, I think, attaches a little bit of a value judgment to it. Um... And I happen to be, maybe I'm enough of a furry, I suppose I should say, that I don't have a personal problem with the line, they're furries because furries are hot. You know, or yeah, they're furries, like furries because I like furries. You're not furries. complaining to so long as they are furry, basically, right? But I'm saying I don't, I think that's a valid reason sometimes to just say they're furries because I like furries. And that's, you know, I want to mm-hmm. write about people that I like. You know, and and I think so- that's okay. But I'm always impressed... Right. And I'm always appreciative All right. when the All fact right. that they are, you know, certain species or the fact they're furries is worked into, is in some way tied into how the plot plays out. I think I understand you there. It is just definitely more impressive when a person can, you know, elegantly mm-hmm. work it into the character development yeah. and yeah. the action. Because you can also see a lot, a, lot of time, a lot of times where it's attempted and just really friggin' awkward. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's... Like, the one animal aspect they choose to be loyal to that would be totally freaky in any case. Like, oh, so then I bent down to my dog bowl and lapped it up. And like, no, wait, okay, that's the one... But that's, that's some the kinky one sex a- play there. <laughs> no, 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 like, even... I like I don't know, that. I just- <laughs> that's good. That's hot stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I shouldn't... Oh, okay, I, I should watch watch my uh, language a bit better, I think, then. Oh. But you get what I'm saying, though, right? It, it's done inelegantly mm-hmm. at times. And well, I think, it's uh, it's always my favorite one is let's write a you know horse porn story where the horse you know is lasts, hung like a horse. Well, the <laughs> horse is hung like a horse and then lasts about five seconds and then it's oh, over. Gross. You know that one. Oh, well. yeah. Oh. That that that's, that that would be cover. that would be the that would be the bad way to do it. You know? I think here's the thing about furries. When you're a furry, every five you got to take like a five second knee every once in a while. Like you see something, someone tells you something. Keyboing. Like, like oh, just give me five oh, seconds. Keyboing. Oh, just give me five seconds. I'm not praying, I'm recovering. You're like, oh my god, no, just give me five seconds to get rid of it. He's T-Bowing. Aren't you mad your team got rid of him? No. 
what I was really uh, what I really liked about the story. I'm a Broncos fan, if you guys remember. So I'm I'm kind of I'm interested and excited to see how Mr. Manning is going to do for us. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. We'll but see. I, no, I was really impressed that he was able to work the animal characteristics into uh, athletic competition specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it involves so much uh, attention to physical movement. Yeah, and, and uh, it's just you know very elegantly handled, basically. And it's I mean kind of going on our discussion last week, which I guess I've gotten some comments on. A lot of people found interesting, you know, and I was talking about you know reading something in the story that I found objectionable. You remember that, and so right. it does get into this realm of you know how can we you know what happens like and are you being you know racist if you're working? Well, they are different species, and so there are differences there, and how do you deal with that and you know, mm-hmm. non-racist fashion. Well, how, how do you um, translate between species and race? I think it's one of these things where, right, you know, if you are dealing with, a, and most furry stories, at least these days, seem to be dealing with worlds of a mix of species. Right. Um, I have read a few where it's one species in the world, or maybe two. Right. You know, Um most are dealing with a mix, and, and how do you deal with that? And, and in and in sports, where physicality is obviously really important to it, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the important things is you know maybe you can make physical arguments that you know some animals are inclined towards this, but you can't say you know this animal can never do this, and you can't link some kind of intelligence thing in there. I think it's just it because a- athletics is one of the most racist. He- heavily policed areas mm-hmm. in terms of physical difference mm-hmm. in human nature. Mm-hmm. Because you, you see people that are split up uh, not only like primarily and absolutely by gender, like mm-hmm. for God forbid the genders intercompete in any kind right. of athletic competition in anything. Yeah. But then uh, by terms of just maybe uh, weight uh, athletic mm-hmm. ability, which is mm-hmm. incredibly highly policed. If you just look at like the yep. baseball professional system, you, okay, we only have the major leaguers in the major leagues. We don't let any major league elite level players play in double A's and you know, uh, uh, ch- Chesapeake or something or recovering. And, yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 just one of, it's one of those things. And uh, when you go back just a little bit further, and there are more artificial separations, mm-hmm. you would go like the the Negro leagues and the mm-hmm. the white major mm-hmm. league baseball uh, and things like that. It's just. It's one of those areas where physical difference of any type has always been highly policed in athletics, yes. and it's yes. one of those things where people start to maybe, if you want to start saying, take it, taking it seriously, mm-hmm. because they start saying there must be some some limit where delineations are fair, right. and if that, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's just why, I mean, that's why there's so much conflict in mm-hmm. the area. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why there's so much drama. In, in, in the in the realm. Well, and I, we I like sports. A, we have a conflation, like you know, in sports. We have conflations of race and gender with ability in 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 their cultural influences. So if you look, if you go back, you know, a hundred years or not even that long, like over fifty years, and you look at basketball, it was dominated by you know white Jewish players. Right, and what's not just, um, but it's not know, just and race. people are like, oh, well, Jewish, you know, people are better at basketball. It's not just to focus just on race, mm-hmm. though. It's all elements of of human nature, like yeah. class and well, they're and right. It's, it's and class, um, you know, largely determining it at that you point. Even yeah. have the um, division, I think, in terms of uh, of sports, where the highly elite aren't gonna, you know, dress their kids up in gaudy 
uh, football pads and have them ram their heads into each other, they're going to put them on horses like respectable kids. Right. You know? I mean, that's why Mitt Romney's got his uh, dressage horse in the horse, on the horse ballet right now, right? Um, yeah. Let's also, by the way, pile on to that because everybody else in the world is going to pile on to Mitt Romney and his ballet horse. And he deserves to have it. We were we tried. I mean, Jay and I really tried. We watched like two people in the dressage part of the competition go, and it was so boring. We just mm-hmm. couldn't. We couldn't handle it. Now they had like the cross country like jumping course, and that was okay. We watched that for a little bit the other day, but oh god, the dressage part where they're just like walking in funny ways that that's my interpretation of it i think you have to think of that on a global scale too because i think if you just think about the um sports that the highly developed countries try Mm -hmm. to excel in and the sports that the less developed countries try to dwell in i just try to imagine people from our country trying to uh explain it to people in their countries okay first you take a lot of guys who have a lot of spare time on their hand and you dress them in the latest fashions Mm mm-hmm those are the first two steps. <laughs> I think most countries are going to go, well, hold on. I think we're going to stick to the, um, we'll have one guy run for a while, yeah. and we'll see how fast well, he can do Well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at, you know, the dominance in uh, distance running. Uh, Individual things like Kenya sports, and Ethiopia. Basically. And it's like, well, you know, what, uh, you know, based on facilities it's and economy, and you know, sports. there isn't, there, for instance, isn't, you know, there aren't Olympic class um, speed skating you know, long track speed skating venues in Eritrea. So, right. you know, there are, there are, oper- you know, there are, there are limits of opportunity and access. And I think, you know, if you're going to do this, this very stuff, you have to be kind of aware of those things. And I think the other thing is, and I think, you know, Buck does this is from what I've seen in the FBA is, you know, they're basketball players that are short guys. They're not many, no, there but are. there are, Cause you know, and that's, and that's the thing. If there is, and, and that's, I think, you know, probably the best approach is if you're going to do this, as you could say, you know, a lot of people are this, but it's not a rule, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. maybe this is more common, but there are exceptions. And that makes for interesting stories, too. You know, the short guy who's an NBA star or the, you know, whatever species who's an FBA star, you know, can be an interest, you know, right. which is unusual, can be mm-hmm. an interesting story right but, uh, there. Who and wants to read that Jeremy Lin bullshit all over again? <laughs> Didn't we have that in the real world? Yeah. <laughs> but I like... I like how... You know, if there's a thread through all these stories, it's how our protagonists are finding, you know, their place in the world, I think, through... Like play. the um, like the basketballer's mm-hmm. girlfriend, yeah, and her place in the world is married to the basketballer. That's part of her place in the part world. Of, That's was, not her only place. Her other place in the world is starring in fabulous movies. Yeah, you know, Wonderful. but she's got her own thing and you know, getting a relationship, and that's you know. I don't. I don't think we need to fall into the second wave feminist thing of oh she can't you know be married because that decreases her power or authority. I don't I'm think. I don't that. think that's going to be the case. I, I'm coming at it from an unfair angle because I only read this thing and what I've said a hundred times as part of a larger structure. Mm-hmm. It just it, it's good character development, but very singular. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just had a, a fight about this guy that she was so angry at, and at the end it gets resolved through mm-hmm. they're going to get married. You know, that's cool. Great. Yeah. I wish I would have, I should have just read more leading up to it. I would have a better understanding of the characters. I don't know if he needs it. I don't know. I what don't I really appreciate more. about the story, like I said, though, is the ability to describe the physical action mm-hmm. and to adapt the animal characteristics to it, and just yeah. the uh, the form of it, the um, sort of 
dynamic, mm-hmm. fluid updating of mm-hmm. almost like like a, like a news cycle. Because mm-hmm. like a news cycle is an, is like a fictional story in and all, all uh, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. If you're highly cynical about it, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's fair enough to see that mimicked by outright fiction. And you've heard of the uh, Supreme Court decisions arguing that the stats produced by the Major League Baseball belong to the Major League Baseball. So the information about this thing that you did uh-huh. is totally your property. Uh-huh. Do you don't remember that? Because mm-hmm. the baseball card companies were fighting to be able to put the stats on the back of the baseball card. Uh-huh. I, I didn't. I didn't follow this. It's so. it, well because the uh, the baseball companies realize that what they really are selling is a very popular narrative story, uh-huh. and that the yeah. numbers are part of that. Yeah. And I think this is a good an illustration of that as anything. Uh, Even if now you, I'm following. Now I'm. If following you just wholly it. generate like that. the structure in the kind of an organic way, so that it, it mimics something that you would see in the real world, like a. A, ba- a, a sports league, mm-hmm. but it, the numbers are just wholly, you know, just just smoke, smoke, mm-hmm. like just stuff you came up with. You can still make that convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a really that's really impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's all right. see. Now I'm following you. Like that, that, now point. you dig it. Good point. Now I dig it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very good. But I like how in in I like that all three of these stories, you know, and this is just me, and and it makes me interested in, in, you know, I mean, I already think Black's an interesting guy, but I think it's interesting that all three of these stories, if there is another thing that unites them, is that they are, like I said before, they're people trying to find their place, but they're people a little bit out of place in general. Um, you know, so you have somebody who's adopted in the first story mm-hmm. and you have uh, somebody who is a prey in a you know game with mostly predators in the second story in the right. third story you have a woman who isn't perceived in classically feminine ways you know right. so you have people who are a little outside the normal and I, I thought I mean that I in my mind that makes for interesting stories that's been a very common story in athletics as well, mm-hmm. because you know, she so said it's always been one of the more highly policed areas of what mm-hmm. is superior, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have to go very far back to find people using the athlete, uh, examples of white athletic supremacy mm-hmm. as you know just a white supremacist argument. Mm-hmm. So as silly as it sounds now, but just having uh, black athletes beat white athletes on fair levels of competition. Mm-hmm can do an awful lot to yeah. level notions of racism a lot more than yeah. you know something like you might be probably more inclined toward education and, mm-hmm. and you know intellectual discussion and things like that but no sometimes you just need to have you know a black guy punch a white guy really hard well, in front and, of a bunch of people and that sports and win a belt oh yeah you're talking yeah about, i'm the fucking I mean, best speaking of the olympics well, i mean I you're my- talking about the munich olympics in 1936 here so absolutely um more casual and and the other thing you know the other thing is that and i think we're we're getting there is that sports figures are so public Mm -hmm. and visible you know that in a lot of ways right they can do a lot more than the academic argument because so many more people are paying attention to what i don't think not in this context not where it's so highly um such a like a highly financial private Undertaking, I don't think sports has near the political potential now that it had before. Mm-hmm. People just don't. But respect. I think it still does. People I mean, really just don't so respect sports, millionaires. People listen, people listen to what sports guys say, and we people know this project, when they get in trouble. 
But we also know is when they do good things, too. So people listen. And it, I think it has an impact. People project their feelings onto sports, but I don't mm-hmm. think people respect multimillionaire athletes the same way they respected amateurs who had worked to um, the pinnacle of their uh, abilities just for the sake of the fact that they could. I think it really does take something away when you make it such a, a highly uh, commodified enterprise because people start to feel as if they pay for the privilege to do everything like they but, feel like i can yell at the players because i pay for the privilege i can complain about the team because i, I you know i pay for the t-shirt that i wear i can it, it, it it's not the same sense of community that existed around you know sports I enterprises back in the in day the abstract but i don't think a little kid is going to sit there and say and not say i want it i'm going to be like lebron james someday right I think they're still going to do that. And that that's the point. I don't think they're even aware of that necessarily when they're a little kid, you know, watching basketball. Like, right. I don't think they're going to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be like LeBron James because, you know, he's capitalist or whatever. I think they're just going to look at him play. And there are moments when they're playing that I think transcend all that other crap. And that's... I think that's that's what reaches a lot of people and speaks to a lot of people. It's um, making a lot of money. And especially kids. No. It's, I don't think the little kid is aware of that. I don't think the little kid... Now, obviously, at a certain age, they start being... And then that may factor in absolutely to wanting to be like LeBron James because <laughs> right. they find out how much he gets paid. But I think when you're just watching the game, I don't think you're sitting here like, well, you know, that shot cost them... You know, I think whatever you're grossly overestimating how much of this, like the sporting audience, is whimsical five-year-olds. Though I mean, most people are watching it because they're projecting something about themselves onto it that they want to see, kind of borne out in on the field of competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really cynical about it because I was raised a Penn State fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm. You, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think you know. Obviously, things get too far. But I, I don't know. I feel like there's a. There's a, you know, quality in watching people who are excellent at anything. And sports or music or art or whatever. Right. Um, Then there's an enjoyment that just comes from that, no matter what else is attached to it. And and that can be sullied, obviously. But, you know, it doesn't have to be. And there can be this enjoyment and transcendent meaning that can come from watching somebody who's excellent at something be excellent. Did you have any um, incredible memories of sporting achievement from your youth? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was never... And this is partially... This is speaking as somebody who was never very into sports. You know, and right. still isn't terribly. Right. You know? Um... So, no, I don't personally... Okay. Let me tell you two of my sporting icons from childhood. Mm-hmm. One was Larry Johnson, who uh, mm-hmm. ran for over 2,000 yards mm-hmm. for the Lions, and oh. I think it was 2001, uh-huh. and should have won the fucking Heisman Trophy, okay. except that people don't care about Penn State, and um, that's, just how, that's what I thought at the time. People don't uh-huh. like Penn State. That's uh-huh. why Larry Johnson didn't win. And then uh-huh. he went under the NFL and got pretty much kicked off his last NFL team for being wildly homophobic. Uh-huh. Second uh, sports icon, Joe Paterno, who uh-huh. goes on to, if it turns out, um, kind of covered up pedophilia to have enabled a guy to 
mm-hmm. harm dozens of kids. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just don't think that the... <laughs> but don't you think the reason why I, sports people here who are, are very cynical about are that. so upset is because it meant so much? Because it meant them. so much to them. Because they because so that supports they're upset my because it was such a big financial stake. No, for their community. no, no. Oh yeah, don't no. tell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't. I don't think Joe some. I don't was think a Penn economy. State fan or whatever you know in Maryland because I know several. You know, not including yourself, they're not upset. You know, they have for them it's no direct economic impact. Right. It, it hurts them because it's like. Uh, Joe Pizzardo is basically their grandfather to them, but it hurts but the Penn State culture in the community yeah. because it's going to be a significant yeah. financial. No, uh, I, I let's not. I mean, I am a I am a <coughs> Marxist anthropologist. Okay, I am a Marxist based Marxist anthropologist. anthropologist that, that's in a that good screen Money is tied into everything, but money isn't everything. Right. And and I think that's an important distinction to make. Like money is always there, but it is not all there is. I just think and don't fall into that. I think the trap of sports is thinking that it, it's about the excellence in sports. Mm-hmm. It's not about the excellence in sports. It's about the f- entire field of competition. And that's what these stories are, though. They're not about. You but know, you were you were um, lionizing the excellency. But I'm saying that's something that can reach a lot of people, you know. And there's a pleasure in watching people who are excellent in anything. Don't yeah. you think? And I provide an example of a cult-like mindset it can provide. <laughs> All right. Well, you're being very cynical. But you have reason to be very cynical right now, so I'll forget Yeah, I'm it. basically an accessory. I'll forget. Considering See, that's, that's messed up, dude. That is messed <laughs> I, up. I was like, if the, you no, really no, no. think that... For like 10 years, for 10 years, Joe Paterno, dude, that's me, that's me. How, Joe pa- how are you an accessory? You're not I'm, an accessory if you don't know what's going on. Clearly, I'm you're fucking not an with accessory. you. Oh my God, I'm clearly fucking with you. I'm just saying, this is why I'm cynical about sports, though, because right. I remember being like, three, two, four, we love you, Joe. And that's, that's, like when they, they unveiled the statue. I was there when they unveiled the but statue. I'm just, like, saying, yeah, we love I'm just the statue. saying, that's his fault. That's not yours. All right? <laughs> I'm just saying this is what sports involves. Sports every once in a while. Not necessarily. It it, it did. I can tell you. In this case, sometimes sports involves your team winning a championship and being the best team. Sometimes sports involves your team having criminals who cover up criminal acts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sports. I'd rather read about it. Like like anything else, it's a mix, you know, of the good and the bad. Yeah. And that's, I think, an important thing to say is that it's not, we, we can place it on a pedestal, that it's something separated from reality. And, but I think, you know, it, it's important to remember that it isn't, that it's a mix of anything. And I think these stories are about that, too, is that it is a, you know, these are very personal, real problems they're having. Mm-hmm. And these are people that the audience would look at and say, wow, their lives are perfect. You know, they're playing for the FBA. Right. You know, they have everything they could want, and they yeah. have fears, and they have problems, and they have anxieties, uh-huh. too. And so that, I think, is a little reminder that, you know, it's it's a mix of things. Um, so I liked them. I really enjoyed it. All right, good. Yeah. I mean, thank you, B-Hop. Thank you. Yeah, stop complaining about our stupid recording setup, though. Yeah. We don't it have is padding. Like I apologize. It's like about a bazillion degrees in here right now. Yeah. yeah. People come have, in and go, oh my god, your room off. is so miserable. It's awful. Oh, yeah, yeah the god, window I'm closed. We're at Tunes to this house. This I'm comfortable. Time, so. Yep. I mean, I and, like the heat. Uh, so, What's my well, I did want to... 95 degrees. Oh, 95. Man, 95 peaks. I'm comfortable. It's like a sauna in here. All right. It is. My natural Guatemala. It's um it's my natural ba- heat. It's like a basically a bathhouse. Yeah. 
Woohoo. Gay like bathhouse. Yeah, it's a bathhouse. It, is a, gay, it is a pretty gay bathhouse. Speaking of comfortable. You remember Freora, and we, we've read some of his stuff. Well, he was chatting the other day, and he uh, he wants to do a little fanfic of the Bad Dog Book Club. Oh, dear. And he's like, well, can I, you know, what should I do? And I was like, my feeling is this. My feeling is this. Like, I think that's hilarious. That is fine with me. And the less I am involved in it, the better. Because I, I, I don't want to be. You know, I want to see, you know, what he'll do. So he wanted to say, right. is that going to be okay with Tunes's? And I said, I, I probably will be. I I'd have been okay so. with it if I hadn't heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. that's my judgment. That's what I said. I said now that I've heard be, about he's it, he's gonna now. be terribly embarrassed. Yeah. but I think he'll be fine. With if he'd have just done it, I wouldn't have been able to say anything. But now that I heard about it, now. Oh come on! Don't stop him. Well, Jesus Christ! If he really wants to write it, he won't give a fuck what I, I say, think, right? Well, he can. He's a nice guy. <laughs> I think you should say yes. See, my standards, I just do it anyhow. I think right. Okay. Well, there you go. That's Tunes's way of saying yes. That he would just do it anyhow. So. It'll be it'll be amusing. It'll be interesting. I'm sure if he, if he comes up with anything, we'll see. You know, not, we're not we're not holding the irons to you or anything. But what would that involve? I well, I, I, I don't, don't want to know what it would involve. We don't want to know, right? I we rescind the question. I rescind the question. There you go. We want it to be a surprise. Yeah. If people no. are gonna do, you know, I well, and I I think we've talked about maybe we haven't, you know, but. The anthropologist in me loves the Marxist like, anthropologist. Fan the Marxist anthropologist yes. in me loves like fan fiction because it is democratizing. Because it's reappropriation you know, of is... trademarked material. Yeah. Like I just gave up yeah. in this very there podcast. Go. There you go. No, but it right, it, it's democratizing. It's it's taking, you know, whatever's been made and putting your own view on it and putting your own spin on it and having fun with it in a way and it's right. saying that you know nobody owns a character so i am i am for it i, I and so i i was kind of because i'm forward in the pink. political sense but against it in the personal sense i don't want to read about we, harry potter's adventures in didn't happen land yeah because they're usually not but not yeah very, usually uh, they're not comforting. good occasionally you find ones that are good and fiora is a good writer yeah, that's true. So, but I don't want any input on it, and I, I'm not going to put any input on it because I don't think that's my place. Since I support the idea of fan fiction, it is not my place to put any kind of input or influence on it. Just so distant from everything, idea. you just can't say no, or just I don't yeah. want to say no. Or just, yeah, do it. I'm, I'm, cool. I, I, I well, no, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what he does. So that's my yes. All right. But I don't want to have anything to do with it. Well, well, I said no, but I don't fucking care if he listens. Right. That well, was my answer. listening, you know, so <laughs> I think you should... Can we just say you don't care if he does it? Can uh, we just say that? That's not what I said. I said, I said no, but he shouldn't listen to me. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Nobody <laughs> shouldn't listen to you. Okay, nope, no, that. but you shouldn't listen to me, which I think is like a political recommendation oftentimes in Congress. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. that, that that'll work. That'll work. Ugh. <laughs> Politics. Yeah, well, let's not get into that. Oh, God. Uh, do you have any other things you want to throw out there, T-Cat? Or I shouldn't T-cat? say T-Cat anymore, because you're not a cat. You shouldn't have said T-Cat ever. <laughs> I said that a couple times. I like it. But now i got to say something T-cat else. T-Cat is like what my nickname would have been in the FBA. Exactly. T-Cat, exactly. power T-cat forward. T-Cat, no, no, no. 
Oh my goodness. I thought you were a power bottom. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. See, it's great because he gets all embarrassed. If like he's like, this is a man who writes porn. But if any, you know, if he gets roped into it, he, he starts blushing and he covers his face and it's, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And, oh no, I couldn't do that. My delicate sensibilities. Let me yeah. go back to writing more porn. <laughs> it's been like months since I've written any. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's, That's true. true. That's true. But you've always been like this. Yeah, I guess so. It's shy. Yeah, I'm shy. Yeah, well, so it's, it's cute. Well, I guess it's easier to write porn than to go out to the bar and find dick. But you don't straight need to. up. Yep, straight up. Straight up. Right. Easier to write dick than find it. I don't know. No, if you want the shortest explanation, I mean, you just point, you just pointed it out. Easier to write dick than find it. I don't know. Writing, you know, a lot of people feel writing's hard. I'm saying for me, that's this is my this is my oh, past okay. reasoning. Okay. Easier easier to write dick than find okay. it, and See, that's, that's why I'm good, still that's so a shy. Legit reason. That's like saying. I like writing their furries because I like furries. That's that's the reason that it is what it is. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add? Tootsies, the raccoon. Uh, yeah, Tootsies the raccoon who walks. Who walks? And takes the metro. Bipedally. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tootsies the patient raccoon, the raccoon that can wait for metro. Yes. How about that? All right. Because it I does like require it. patience. Well, that's that's it, folks. That is the highlight of our story. You know, it was a dramatic story. We have a species switch. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's not a switch. I mean, I was a raccoon in the first place. Right. But then, you know, on the radio program, you were... It was before that. No, I, mean, I just I didn't expect the writing to be popular. We got a little bit of species... <laughs> I, see, he didn't expect his writing to be popular. So mm. We got a little bit of species identity disorder, but we can uh, treat that with medication. So, uh, anyway, I think it's time to eat. I'm starving. I hope you're starving. Yeah, I'm starving. Uh, Some pork roast. Yes, uh... Toon says boy is cooking us dinner. So what? That's pretty awesome. My what? Your boy. My man. Your mo oh, I'm sorry. You're my man. I'm sorry. Your ain't, man. Ain't, ain't nobody my boy. Is cooking us dinner. Alright. <laughs> Alright. I was correct. I stand corrected, folks. He's my man. Alright, catch you guys next time. Yeah. Ciao everybody. <laughs>